Welcome to this week's episode of the Big Book Living Alive podcast, a weekly podcast showcasing the 1993 Big Book Seminar presented by Joe and Charlie in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. I am your host, Brad S., and I am an alcoholic. Time to go all science in it. That's a Pittsburgh word there instead of y'all. Newton's first law of motion states that a body at rest will remain at rest unless an outside force acts upon it. Conversely, a body in motion at a constant velocity will remain in motion in a straight line unless acted upon by outside forces. Hmm. So if you headed down the path and you started looking at step one and then step two, why would you stop? Wouldn't the constant velocity or the speed or the motion that you have started also mean that you continue on? Does that mean that you're going to stop and say, no, there's no one there to help me? There's nothing greater than I? Think about when you skip a stone across the water. Can you stop it? Can you say no? I only want you to do three. Well, maybe, maybe if you're a trained professional. But overall, remember, the journey, the path, these are the steps, one in front of the other, that bring you from where you were to where you want to be. So let's hear what Joe and Charlie have to say about coming to believe. You remember, they gave him the authority to write it in the beginning, but they also retained the authority to read it, change it, as they felt necessary. So when it was done, it would be the collective knowledge, experience, and wisdom of all of it. And the fight was on, back and forth, up and down, round and around. Finally, finally, Bill realized that if he didn't do something, not only were they going to blow the book project, but they were going to blow the whole fellowship. And he very reluctantly agreed to make some changes in it. Now, at the suggestion of a non-alcoholic psychiatrist who was there at the present time, they made these changes. The psychiatrist said, why don't you change it from directions to suggestions? He said, if you do, it'll mean basically the same thing. Probably more people could accept it. And where you keep saying, you've got to do this and you've got to do that, he said, why don't you say, we had to do this and we had to do that, and let them make up their own mind whether they want to or not. Probably more people would be able to use the book. And he said, well, you say, must, must, change that to ought, ought, it'll mean the same thing and more people will accept it. Now, Bill very, very reluctantly agreed to make these changes. Today, we don't know. If they had left it like it was originally, maybe today instead of 2 million worldwide, we'd have 10 million. But also, maybe instead of 2 million worldwide, we'd have 10,000. Who knows? Nobody knows. We just know this is the history behind this particular part of the book. But Bill was cunning, baffling, and powerful also. Because he said, okay, I'm going to deal with you, and I'll compromise, but you're going to have to compromise with me. And they said, well, what do you want? And he said, if I'm to finish the rest of the book, you're going to have to give me the authority to do it. He said, I fought with you all the way through the first four chapters. Now we're fighting over this. And he said, I'm tired. I don't intend to fight anymore. If you want me to finish it, 
gave me the authority to do it. Now, they didn't want to give him the authority to do it, but they didn't want to write it either. So they very reluctantly agreed to that. Now, what Bill knew, but they didn't know, is two pages later, he's going to put directions right back in the book. <laughs> the only place you're going to see suggestions and we and ought is in the reading of how it works. All the rest of it, he put it right back in. And it makes more sense when we see what happened. They took it out of how it works, put it back in the rest, and ruined some of the continuity of the book. But now that we know what happened there, it's easy to see what he intended for this to be. I think the other thing that is so obvious, he used the doctor's opinion in the first four chapters to give us all the information we need for steps one and two. It makes clear three pertinent ideas, and he said that we're designed to sell you three pertinent ideas. A, that you're alcoholic and can't manage your own life. Well, if you've been sold on that idea and you've accepted that, then you've taken step one. The other idea is that probably no human power could relieve our alcoholism, and God could and would if he were sought, and if you're sold on that idea, then you've taken step two. You know, people come to us today and they say, how do you work one and two? I say, you don't work one and two. They're not working steps. They are conclusions of the mind that we draw based upon information presented to us in the doctor's opinion in the first four chapters. I've always been powerless over alcohol. I just didn't realize it until I read the doctor's opinion in the first four chapters. I, there's always been a power that could restore me to sanity. I just didn't think he would do that until I read the doctor's opinion in the first four chapters. Now that I've recognized that I'm powerless over alcohol, now that I've come to believe that a power gray myself can restore me to sanity, I'm done with one and two, and now I'm ready to get on with step three. The very next statement says, being convinced, we are now at step three. So through what we've looked at last night, what we've read and studied this morning, if you were convinced that you're powerless over alcohol and your life's unmanageable, you've taken step one. If you've come to believe, not know, but come to believe, there's a power greater than you are can restore you to sanity, then you've taken step two. And now that we've got one and two, let's get on with three. Joe? You know, very simply, this uh, doctor's opinion in the first four chapters is steps one and two. Step one, when I first arrived here, I had to admit that I was powerless over alcohol and that my life had become unmanageable. Step two, I had to come to believe that there's a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity. Well, really, all I'm going from is step one to step two. So how am I going to get from steps one to steps two? Well, this is how it works, and he just read how it works. Now, if I'm ready to start the journey from steps one to two, I am now at step three. I haven't took step three yet. I'm just at step three, and I need to know a little bit more about step three. Is it being convinced? We were at step three. We haven't took step three yet, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to the care, over to God as we understood him. Well, just what do we mean by that and just what do we do? Well, there's a few little words there I think we need to look at, and one of them has to do with decision. I need to make a decision to turn my will, and what is my will? My will is nothing more than my thinking, and my life is nothing more than my actions. So I need to take, make a decision to turn my thinking and my actions over to the direction of God. 
So as you see, I, you can't heal a sick mind with a sick mind, and I can't think my way out of it, so I'm going to make a decision that God is going to do my thinking, and He's going to control my life. And I made that decision some back, way back, and my life has been different, and my thinking has been different ever since. And I do this on a daily basis because a year from now, my life, my thinking is going to be different, and my life's going to be different. So I have to continue to do this a day at a time for a lifetime. To make the decision to turn my thinking over to God. I'm going to let God direct my thinking. And my life is my actions. I'm going to turn my life over to the care of God. You know, I think we need to realize that this step originally said we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care and direction of God as we understood Him. And when they made Bill take direction out, he had to take it out of step three also. Now let's look at those three words Joe was talking about. First, made a decision. You know, the word decision itself implies that there's going to have to be some further action. I hear people today say, I've been in AA four or five years, my life's still all screwed up, and I don't understand why, because I turned it over to God three years ago when I took step three. No, we don't turn it over to God in step three. We make a decision to turn it over in three. There's going to have to be some action taken in order to carry out that decision. A good example in my own personal life is some years ago, my wife Barbara and I decided we wanted to go to Los Angeles, California and visit our relatives. But we didn't do anything about that decision. So sure enough, that year we didn't get to California. The next year, about the same time of the year, we made the decision to go to California and visit the relatives. And again, we didn't do anything about it. So sure enough, we didn't get to California. Third year in a row, we made the decision. But the third year was a little different. The third year, I took the car down and had it serviced. Barbara packed some clothes and a little food, and we got in our car and we drove from our home to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Then we drove to Oklahoma City. Then we drove to Amarillo, Texas. Then we drove to Albuquerque, New Mexico. Then we drove to Flagstaff, Arizona. Then we drove to Barstow, California. Then we drove to San Bernardino, California, and you know, by golly, one day we ended up in Los Angeles visiting with our relatives. Not because we made a decision, but because we took the action necessary to carry out that decision. Now, what is it we're deciding to turn over to the care and direction of God as we understand Him? And the first thing we've decided to turn over is our will. And what is our will? Well, our will is nothing more than our thinking apparatus. Our will is nothing more than our mind. Our will is nothing more than this thing up here in our head that tells us what to do and what not to do. A perfect example of the use of the word will tying it together with mind. Let's say that we're beginning to approach the end of our lives and we've gathered up a few material things and we become concerned with what's going to happen to them after we pass on. We'll probably go down and sit down with an attorney. And we'll tell that attorney what we want done with those things. I'd like for my wife to have this, and this is to be my daughters. I want this to go to my son, this is to be my brothers, this is my sisters, and etc. Now that attorney will take my thinking that day, write it down on a piece of paper. I'll sign it, and maybe he'll sign it, or she, whichever the case may be, as a witness, and they put it in the safe. Now two or three years from now, I kick the bucket. And if my family's like all the rest of them, they're going to call the undertaker and say, come get him. Let's get him out there and get him in the ground as soon as we can. 
and they run me out there to the graveyard, put me in the ground, they all jump in the car, and they go right back to that attorney's office. <laughs> and that attorney gets out that piece of paper and reads to them what my thinking was that day in that office two or three years before that time, and we know that they call that piece of paper a will. Will, thinking, mind are all synonymous. I'm making a decision to turn my mind, my will, my thinking apparatus over to the care and direction of God as I understand Him. Now what else am I trying to turn over? Well, I've made a decision to turn my life over also. And what is my life? My life is nothing more than my actions. What I am today, right now, as of this moment, sitting behind this table, is the sum, accumulative total of all the actions that I've taken throughout my entire lifetime is what's put me right here at this moment. All action is born in thought. Say that again. All action is born in thought. It's not by accident the step reads will and life. Because whatever the will is determines what the action is going to be. Now, I remember when I got to step three, I had a lot of difficulty. And I went to my sponsor and I said, I won't be, I won't be able to take step three. And he said, why? I said, because if I turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand him, I have no idea what he would want me to be. And he may want me to be a missionary. And he may send me to China, and I sure as hell don't want to go there. <laughs> they got enough trouble over there already. And I, I remember him, he just laughed, and he said, well, Charlie, let's look at it this way. He said, at least it wouldn't be in the hands of an idiot, would it? <laughs> he said, let's look back through your lifetime. He said, you've always been a selfish, self-centered, self-willed human being. Great quote in there about all action is born in thought, but it has to be coupled with you can't think yourself out of this. They kind of go hand in hand. You can have a thought of action. You can have a desire for action, but until you take action, nothing will change. Again, we use our big book as our guide, as our training material, from the doctor's opinion to we agnostics to Bill's story, we step into step one, then step two, then step three. We build upon the basics because this forms, the transforms, I should say, our desire to change into actual change. We'll move forward. Steps four through nine are transformative of self. And then 10, 11, and 12 are maintenance. So if you look at all the pieces, you really have just started the first and most important section of the book. Because if you do not get this, if you don't get steps one, two, and three, the whole house crumbles because there's no foundation. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode as much as I did. If you'd like just the raw Joe and Charlie portion of the podcast, that is available on our Patreon site. The link to that is available on our website or in the pinned comment. Until next week, this is the Big Book Living Alive, Joe and Charlie podcast.